0: Section 6 of the Indian Storybook This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by S.K. Edison, New Jersey The Indian Storybook by Richard Wilson Story 1. Rama's Quest, Parts 11 and 12 Part 11 Suddenly the giant flung up his arms, he yawned, and it seemed as if the roof would be rent with the sound. Then, to the accompaniment of a mighty sigh, he opened his eyes and lay staring in stupid amazement, while the singing maidens vanished like a dream. Kumbhakarna sat upright. Why have you disturbed me? He asked, and the shrinking courtiers, bowing to the earth, answered reverently. Thy brother Ravana, whose servant we are, has need of a matchless valour, O glorious and resplendent Kumbhakarna. The giant sprang to his feet and commenced to eat and drink, while the courtiers turned their faces to the wall. When he was quite satisfied, he stood up and bellowed boldly, Who is my brother's enemy? An army of monkeys led by Prince Rama has already defeated him more than once. Follow us, O Prince, and put fresh hope and courage into his fainting heart. Kumbhakarna at once set out and was received with great joy by Ravana. Who is this Rama? inquired the giant, and Ravana turned to slander and defame his enemy, but in spite of himself, these were the strange words he spoke. He is of noble mind and the friend of all living creatures, so that he does not disdain the help of the lowliest. I hold his wife, the peerless Sita, as my prisoner, and he has come in search of her at the head of an army of monkeys and bears. Send back Sita to her lord, said the good-natured giant. A bad deed weakens the arms and spoils one for honest warfare. Then, if you will, challenge Prince Rama to single combat, and let the better man win. Ravana grew angry. I do not need your advice, brother, he said, but your help against my foes. The giant looked at him, not lazily and sleepily, as he usually regarded everything, but with a strange fire of insight and intelligence in his eyes. Then he spoke slowly and clearly. One day I leapt from slumber and went abroad to appease my hunger. When I had done so, I sat down to rest, and Narada, the messenger of the gods, came and sat beside me. Whence come you, Narada? I asked. From a council of the gods, he said. And what was the purpose of that August meeting? I inquired. To consider how the world could be freed from the curse of Ravana's presence was the reply. And what was the upshot? was my next question. It was decided, said Narada, that Vishnu, the ruler of gods and men, should take human form and cleanse the world of demons such as Ravana. Then the messenger of the gods disappeared. The giant went on, and if this Rama is king of gods and men in human shape, it will be well for us to yield to him without further delay. Ravana laughed with tenfold scorn. Would Vishnu choose monkeys as his allies? he asked. Thy wit is as small as thy bulk is large. Get thee back to thy slumbers, and I will face these foes unaided. Nay, said the giant, he who must fight will fight. Show me the foe. Then Ravana gave his brother his pike of gleaming silver and his own cuirass of gold. And the giant mounted a chariot drawn by a hundred asses and drew near to the enemy. A mighty rock was hurled at him. The asses were overturned, and the charioteer fell dead. But Kumbhakarna stepped to the ground and began moving down his enemies like a lusty harvester. In due time he came upon Sugriva, who was armed with a mighty tree. Hold, monster, cried the king of the monkeys, and try thy strength with mine. Kumbhakarna held his sides for laughter, snatched up a rock and laid the monarch low. Then he picked him up between his finger and thumb and cried, Ho, you monkeys, here is your king, it's time you went home. But Sugriva was not dead. With a great effort, he sprang at the giant's face and tore his cheeks with his nails. Kumbhakarna flung him down, and Sugriva was soon among his friends once more, while the angry giant, blinded with rage and roaring with pain, began to move aimlessly about, trampling down his foes by dozens. Before long, he came face to face with Rama and Lakshmana an arrow from the bow of the peerless prince pierced the giant's mighty arm he rushed blindly at rama but another arrow struck him in the side with a crash like a mountain hurled down from its height the giant fell to the earth as his head smote the ground his great heart broke and he died still the fierce war went on with varying fortune until the day came when ravana swore a dreadful oath that before sunset either he or Rama should bite the dust. So he leapt into his chariot, sought out the peerless prince, and challenged him to a final wrestling bout. Rama's answer was a stream of arrows from his mighty bow, but his enemy put them aside as though they had been drops of rain, and hurling his spear at Lakshmana brought him senseless to the earth. This roused Rama to fury, and he attacked Ravana at close quarters until the terrified demon took fright, turned, and fled back to Lanka. Part 12 Then Rama sought out his beloved brother and found him lying to all appearance dead. At that moment Hanuman came up to him and, pitying his grief, offered to fetch from the woods which clothed the sides of a far-off mountain a plant of sufficient healing power to restore the warrior forthwith. Away! cried Rama, and without delay the mighty form of the sun of the wind cleft the air. Ravana saw him go, and, guessing his errand, sent a messenger quicker even than Hanuman to wait his arrival on the mountainside in the disguise of a hermit, there to wreck his plans for the restoration of Lakshmana. As Hanuman alighted in the wood, he was met by this hermit, who invited him to refresh himself at the stream which flowed by the place of his retreat. As he stooped to drink, a crocodile clutched him by the throat, but he tore the creature in two, when, to his surprise, a beautiful maiden rose from the slaughtered reptile, and, having thanked the son of the wind for releasing her from a vile enchantment, vanished into the air. Hanuman went back to the hermit, who was so much surprised to see him that he threw off his disguise, and the two closed in a combat which ended with the death of Ravana's envoy. Now these disturbing occurrences made Hanuman forget the description of the plant that he had come to seek, which is not surprising. But he was not to be daunted. He broke off a projecting crag from the side of the mountain, trees and undergrowth with it, leapt into the air, carried it to his friends, and bade them find the healing plant among the rest. This was soon done. The leaves were laid upon Lakshmana's wound, and in a moment he sat up looking round upon his friends and laughed pleasantly brother he said to rama did i dream or did you swear to kill this monster before nightfall i swear it now said rama making the promise which no man dares to break meanwhile ravana had prepared a chariot of ebony drawn by two coal-black horses when this was told to the gods who befriended rama they sent to the hero the chariot of the king of the gods it was made from a shell of the softest, palest blue, surrounded by a rich purple banner and drawn by four horses in color and radiance like the sun and a strength, round whose necks hung golden bells which sent forth heavenly music as they moved. Rama leapt gladly into this resplendent car, and the battle began between light and darkness. Before long, the flight of Rama's arrows mingled with the darts of the demon hid the two combatants from the eyes of the onlookers. But from the shade cast by the flying shafts, they heard the majestic voice of Rama, stern with virtue, yet tender with compassion. Thou poor deluded monster, it said, tossed to and fro by all the blasts of evil, death is near to thee, and its deepest horror is to see thyself as thou art in the eyes of the loftiest virtue. As the voice rose through the conflict, it weakened the arm of Ravana, in a manner which could not be accomplished even by the arrows of Rama. Thine hour is come, cried his calm and terrible foe, sending a shaft which tore off one of the demon's head. But the head quickly grew again, and Ravana appeared to be uninjured. Aim at his heart, cried the charioteer of the celestial car. The heart, not the head, is the seat of evil. Then Rama adjusted the fatal shaft, drew the string and let it go. The hissing arrow struck the heart of Ravana, who raised his clenched fist to heaven, as if in final defiance, staggered to the edge of his ebony chariot, and, like a mountain overwhelmed by earthquake, crashed to the earth, dead. For a moment, all was still. A deep sigh ran through the watching host, like the whisper of a breeze through a field of corn which is white to harvest." Then from afar was heard the throbbing of the drums of victory sounded by the armies of the gods. From the sky fluttered a gentle rain of flowers, a soft breeze wafted down to earth bearing the sound of celestial melodies, and round about the car of Rama danced a troop of maidens more lovely than the dawn of early summer. All hail to Rama! cried the watching army. The power of evil is conquered by the friend of living creatures. And the reign of justice has begun. End of section six. Recording by S. K. Edison, New Jersey.